Welcome to Success Hackers, Cracking the Entrepreneurial Code, the podcast that's focused on empowering entrepreneurs to find the edge and take their business to a whole nother level. We're peeking behind the curtain to learn entrepreneurial shortcuts and success strategies from the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Get ready for mind-blowing entrepreneurial tips with your host, high-performance business coach, keynote speaker, and author, Scott Hansen. Showtime in three, two, one. What is up, everybody? This is your host, Scott Hansen. Hope you're doing amazing today. And uh, at the taping of this podcast, we're still smack dab in the middle of COVID. And uh, my thoughts and my prayers go out to all of you who might be fearful, might be struggling, might be thinking, you know, is this the end of the line? And as someone that works with business owners all day long, I can just say that, um, you know, uh, there were many a company in 2008, 2009 that, st you know, they, they stuck with it and uh, they become massive successes because of their stick to itiveness. And uh, if you're in that moment now, hopefully this this podcast, this episode will really uh, will really jolt you back into keeping your head down, stay focused, get creative, um, just like anything else, this too shall end. And it's those that are tough, those that are strong, those that are mentally tough are the ones that are going to ultimately win this game. So speaking of mentally tough, um, I am super fired up to be bringing you the next guest. Um, I actually I actually cyber stalked um, this next guest. Um, and that's what's great about having a platform like a podcast. And we've been successful here with the Success Hackers podcast where we reach, I think we have close to 600,000 downloads across 19 countries of listeners. And uh and I've read this individual's book and he got, it actually got turned down by a brother-in-law of mine. And I'm really, really, really fired up to be bringing you not only a really good guy, but someone that's been super successful. So whether you're listening on a treadmill, whether you're listening at, in your car, in your bed, whatever, take some, uh, take some notes. Cause this guy, this guy is certainly one of the real deals. He's been, uh, one of the most successful entrepreneurs we've ever had on the podcast. And this is going back six plus years. So Hacker Nation, let's get down to business and let's talk to our featured guest, Mr. Matt Monero. Matt, are you ready to do this? Scott, let's go. Come on, man. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. All right. Matt launched his first company, Commercial Fleet Financing, in 1995 with a phone, a folding table, and an unyielding confidence of a single client, a trucker. Fast forward over 25 years, CFF has funded over $1 billion in transactions. 1 billion in transportation equipment with annual business of over $150 million yearly. CFS has served more than 10,000 clients, has become one of the largest independently owned equipment finance companies in America. Matt's companies have been featured across CNBC, Forbes, Inc. Magazine, Dallas Business Journal, Overdrive Magazine, and many, many, many more. Matt is a sought-after speaker within the entrepreneurial and association communities and has a very popular podcast aptly named You Need More Money. Matt's first book, The Grit, was published in 2015. His latest book, You Need More Money, launched in 2018 and was published by Penguin Random House. Matt, uh, that's a pretty long intro. Is that, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I'm winded. When I hear that, though, I, I love the I love the start, man, of the, of the the confidence of a single client, a trucker, man. I remember it like it was yesterday, man. That guy, that guy kept me in business. Tell our listeners a little bit more about I know you've been in the business now for 
we talked a little bit beforehand over 25 years and have built a successful company is an understatement but tell us tell us a little bit about the business and uh, and how you got started in that business yeah, I mean, the business, real simple business model. We finance um, transportation equipment. Uh, what your audience should think about are over-the-road trucks, big rigs, tow trucks, construction equipment, very blue-collar industry. Uh, we are a very blue-collar client, a customer, uh, company, culture. Um, you know, we, we make our money on the phones. We cold call a lot. We do our best to service the clients. When they are buying equipment, we finance it. Um, and... Uh, uh, you know, I started the company from nothing. Literally, uh, I had a folding table, a phone, and a, and a Yellow Pages. If some of your audience even remembers what a Yellow Pages was, <laughs> original Google, yeah, right? That's right. And um, and uh, uh, you know, the first, uh, the, as I was mentioning to you earlier, I mean, the first ten years were 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 terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were just every entrepreneurial journey that we've heard about, and um, and probably. A lot that we haven't heard about. It does seem like everybody's in front of a Lambo and a jet on social. And, you know, I was I was watching my car get repossessed, dude. I was down to my last 40 bucks, Hmm. literally had it on a shell gas card, a shell gas station gas card. I mean, I'm talking like I mean, it was as bad as you could get. Uh, So uh, so we turned it around and we worked our butts off. And we built something meaningful, not just from a financial standpoint, but I also think in the impact of our clients' lives and the impact of our employees' lives. And that, that to me, is super, super important. It wasn't in the beginning. It was survive. But now it's a big part of what I do. So what make you keep going? I know this, we could probably talk for hours on this one question alone, but um, and we'll talk about a segment of the podcast is uh, fail forward stage, but we'll get to that in a second. But in those grim years, those first five or 10 years, I'm sure you're, you're you know, um, personal development guy, you're, you're into being, you know, bettering yourself, bettering your community, bettering your team. But I would imagine like all human beings, maybe even people that are listening right now with everything going on in our community, in our society, you know, there was that, that moment where you, you kept going forward and you kept going forward and you kept going forward. Was it just, sheer determination did you did you have a mentor did you have someone coach you up did you have or is it just pure you know boldness and uh, and saying no matter what happens i'm going to make this happen even if it even if it's uh, my last cent yeah i mean i wish i had a mentor i wish i had a roadmap i had none of that literally none of that um i had no guidance of any kind and to be frank probably in all of my life uh i've had a few you know, uh, in my later years, I've had a few people that were very meaningful to me. But in the, in the beginning, I didn't have anybody showing me the way. I really think it was grit and just just an extremely high tolerance for pain. Mm. But, but here's the reality. And I love the name of the podcast, Success Hackers, because here was the hack that everybody should use. I was in a huge market that was dominated by large publicly traded banks. And I believe that where the banks are, there are tremendous amounts of crumbs that the banks leave. And that's an entrepreneur's dream. Hmm. Um, I knew that that the big banks were leaving hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of crumbs in the equipment financing industry. And my job was just to go get as many of them as I could. So I knew I was in the right platform, which is a big concept in my book, too. I knew there was money in my business. I just had to go figure out how to get it. Hmm. And um, so, so to answer your question, I knew there was money in the space and that, 
that to me kept me going. Sooner or later, I've got to figure out the vein, the niche, right. and after it. And that's and that's what we did. Well, I think that there, in and of itself, right off the bat, there's a success hack, and we'll actually get to the success hack question in a second. But there's a success hack in that little story right there, and I. And you, you know, you kind of brushed over it, Matt, but I, I think what's, what's this takeaway for all the listeners out there is Matt figured out that there is a uh, crumbs are okay. There's when you have hundreds of millions of dollars, if you can figure out a joint venture partner, an affiliate partner, someone, as Matt says, the vein, where, where could the money be coming from in your world? Get creative rather than just beating up the phones, you know, 20 hours a day. Yeah. That's part of his business. But he, he realized that if I joint venture or partner up or collaborate with the vein, the, in this case, the bank, there might be some opportunities for for me to grow the business. I just have to, like you said, figure it out. Is that what I heard, Matt? Yeah. And, and my biggest, um, what should I say, just sort of the, you know, the, the Goliath in our industry was always Wells Fargo. Mm. And I was constantly looking for crumbs that Wells Fargo was leaving. What what type of client did Wells not want? And was that client worth doing business with? And we began to figure it out. It took us a long time to figure it out, though. And, and so we began to focus on very good credit transportation companies who bought used equipment. And that became the vein. That became the niche. That became our ideal client. And it's mm. it's morphed into a, you know, very substantial piece of the market. Um, and, and I like to refer to our ideal client as what we call a five, five, seven. I mean, when you were talking about niching down, that means our client has to have five years. They have to have a minimum of five units, trucks or trailers or equipment in their fleet. And the ownership has to have a 700 credit score mm. and they have to be buying used equipment. Now that's a niche of a niche of a niche, right? right. But that's the, that's the, crumb that Wells Fargo wasn't going after. They were going after larger fleets, buying only new equipment. And, and we continually were financing good credit customers, smaller fleets who were buying used equipment hmm. and Wells wasn't on those deals. And so we just said, you know what, that's our ideal customer. And we're going to go aggressively into the marketplace and find them. And it, it turned out to be the right play. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we, I, I, in my opener, I said $150 million in yearly, $150 plus million in yearly sales, over a billion dollars over the lifetime of the business. Here's something I wasn't even going to ask you, but as you were explaining this, uh, it just sort of, that's kind of how I do it. I do my thinking best sort of on the fly mat and in the shower. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, you've, if, if you're the same way, but I, I wanted to ask you this. I think this is relevant to our audience. How does someone, you know, we talked earlier about you didn't have a mentor you wish you did. You didn't really have a coach. You just kind of grit, gritted it out and grinded it out. But if someone nowadays, we talk a lot about uh, finding a mentor or hanging out with a mentorship group, I call it, you know, uh, playing up. You know, if, uh, if you shoot in the hundreds in golf, you don't want to be playing with golfers that shoot 110. You want to be playing with golfers that shoot in the 80s. It's just a different, it's just a different environment. From a mentorship program, what gets your attention? Someone that is as successful as you are, that has multiple companies, you know, and we'll get into your, the, you need more money book, but how does someone get your attention? How does someone now with us being hacker nation, I don't want you guys all connect with Matt at the end and, and ask for Matt to be your mentor, but I'm just curious, 
someone of your stature, how does someone get your attention? I I just love expertise. Hmm. I don't care whether it's the teacher who's the expert or the coach or the business guy or the, you know, or the blue collar guy. It doesn't matter to me. I'm looking for expertise and I look for that in, in all areas. I'm looking for you know, who has the most successful kids? Success leaves clues, right? Um, why do some people, you know, I always, if, I, I remember asking a, a, a client of mine, J.B. Hunt, if, you were, if you've ever heard of that big trucking company, I remember interviewing him one time and I said, why is it that so many trucking companies start with one truck and they end with one truck? Hmm. And why did you start with one truck and end with, you know, 15,000 trucks. And he, he said, I just never saw the business as a one truck business. I always saw it as a 15,000 truck business. Wow. So I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I gravitate to people who, who have big visions and who, who really want to do the work to get great. And it doesn't have to translate to a big business. I think great parenting, great fitness, Great mindset, great faith, all of that stuff is what gravitates to me. I, I've never gravitated towards the middle or average um, because I was all of that. And then, you know, I just kept working at it. And I think I think as it relates to the business that we're talking about here, commercial fleet, I think we're as, as good as any of those large publicly traded banks, man. We just stayed in the fight. Hmm. Hmm. You got me fired up over here, and I, I'm glad you brought up no matter whether it's business, whether it's church, community. I didn't want to be sort of average. I wanted to continue to climb, you know, be 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 best in class. And it's you said something about uh, well, it didn't necessarily have to be in business or money. However, let me shift gears. Your book is entitled "You Need More Money," and. Maybe when someone sees the title, you know, maybe someone might think, well, this guy is really completely materialistic. He must be talking about needing money for Vegas trips or yachts or bigger homes. But if you read his book, which is everybody that's listening right now needs to get a copy of Matt's book, You Need More Money. And we'll actually share where you can get that at the end. But it's absolutely phenomenal. But I know I, I know the undertone of the and the impetus kind of for the title and it's a much deeper, much personal, much more personal for you. Can you share with us a little bit about you need more money and uh, specifically around uh, your brother-in-law? Yeah, I appreciate your support of the book and the storyline too. Um, it's a very personal story. I've been married 20 plus years. Uh, my wife's name is Rocky, R-O-K-K-I. She's a little five foot two redhead, just tough as nails. And... Um, we have three boys and I know that the, the rocker loves me and our three boys, but I know that, you know, if I'm, if I'm really honest about it, the one person she loved more than she loved us was her brother. Hmm. And he, uh, you know, he was big part of my life, 20 plus years. Rocky and I've been together 23 years. He's been a big part of my life. And he went to the doctor, um, wasn't feeling well for a few months, went to the doctor, thought he was just going to get a, quick steroid shot and go back to work the next day. And it turned out he got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And, um, you know, basically from that moment on was on his deathbed. And uh, I was able to have very open and honest, transparent questions with him through this very quickly to realize that 
he, he literally had no money. I mean, he had a wife and four children. He had no health insurance, no life insurance, and a hundred bucks in the bank. Hmm. He was diagnosed, and um, it became an extremely powerful purpose in our lives of how do we help? His name was John. How do we help John? My my oldest son's named after him. How do we help John get better? And obviously, we you know you you do it through treatment as best you can, but you also do it through financial support. So Rocky and I covered all their bills in an effort to try to get him better. Those were the most incredible checks uh, that I have ever been able to write. Hmm. In the end, almost one year to the day, he died, and um, the the that process, Scott, literally changed my the the sadness it created in my wife. I saw the impact, lack of financial security, and what it what it did to his wife and his his children. But I also saw what it did to him, dude. Mm. He talked a lot about how did this happen, man? He, yeah. he was forty six, by the way. How old? Forty six. Wow. He worked hard, man. Hard working guy. How did it happen, John? How did how did after twenty plus years of work, this is this is what we have the show for it. So. Long story short, I, I wrote a little story about it. It got it got picked up um, by a by a group in New York who said that um, you know they think this is a big problem in America. We should turn it into a book. And I, I wrote the book. You need more money. And and uh, and and Penguin and, and Random House bought the rights to the book and published it in 2018. And it's been a pretty awesome ride hmm. to try to help people. Uh, wake up to the fact of what I call in the book, you know, hashtag false positive, right? Where so many of us think we're doing better than we really are. And that never gets tested until there's a moment like this, right? And and by the way, since my brother-in-law's uh, struggles and passing, we've had this happen two other times in our lives. My mm. best friend passed away and Rocky's best friend passed away. Now, my buddy passed away. He had some money. So, I didn't have to step in, but for Rocky's best friend, we stepped in and we did it again. And so the challenge I have for, for, for the audience today is everybody has one of those rich uncles, right? Uncle Bob's always got money, right? Uncle Bob handles my, well, be Uncle Bob, right? Go Uncle Bob in your family, go be the rich uncle that helps the niece out with music lessons or maybe college or helps your mother-in-law out when the car breaks down or maybe with the air conditioning unit, be the uncle Bob, be the rich uncle in your family. There's nothing wrong with it. And I find it to be um, tremendously rewarding to have been blessed to have been in that situation to help to help people who matter so much to us who, who didn't take care of themselves financially. It's interesting that we're talking about this. And again, sorry for your loss. Um, I, I can't even imagine, but I, I, I'm sure that you're right that it, this happened more often than any of us would probably like to admit we either ourselves or a neighbor or a cousin, they're probably going through this. I actually posted this knowing that we are going to ultimately be on this podcast. I posted a little Facebook post. I said, how important is money for success? And it's amazing to me how much people would come back and say, it's okay. It's not that important. It's not the most important. You have to have health. You have to have you have to have happiness. You have to have this. You have to have that. And you know, some people would come back and say, you know, the money's not even a driving force in my business. It's all about, it's all about compassion and it's all about purpose. It's all about that. What would you say to, 
knowing what knowing what you've been through, um, what would you say to someone like that? I'm sure you get that question a lot in terms of, all right, well, is, are you just talking? Okay, I understand this this story with your brother-in-law, but um, you know, 150 plus million dollars per year. I'm sure you have some nice cars and some boats and all these other things. Hey, I just want to do. I just want to do good work. I just want to. Uh, money's not that important to me. Yeah, I I know that it's a a harsh stance on that, and and so I try to soften it with a Rodney Dangerfield quote from from the movie Back to School, where where you know the professor's giving Rodney a real hard time if you happen to watch the movie or you remember the scene, and Rodney says, "Yeah, go tell it to the bank," <laughs> and I really believe that is the answer to money isn't that important. You go tell it to the bank. Yeah. See if the bank cares that, you, that, that you're on this wonderful mission. Mm. I mean, core value number one at, at um, two companies that I'm involved with is profits. And at Commercial Fleet, uh, profit says our creative spirit can't be realized to the fullest extent without consistent profitability. We can't do cool stuff. Mm. I can't buy fancy chairs. I can't remodel the office. I can't send my sales staff to trade shows. I can't do... Uh, PPC click. We can't do anything without money. And yet some people don't don't see it that way. I think it's a cop out, Scott. I know I know it's a harsh stance, but it's a cop out. And 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 nobody I know that has money says that about money. Mm. Nobody. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean by that? No one that has money says that we're just doing like share with me. I think this is important. What, what do you mean by that? Nobody that I know that has money thinks money isn't important. Yeah. Money, money, as our, as I argue in the book, it is like oxygen. It is a requirement to happiness. It is a requirement to life. It is a requirement to success. And if your audience is entrepreneurs and business owners, yep. it is a requirement for your business. You, you cannot have a successful business without Profits, excess, surplus, cash flow. End of story. Hmm. Anything else is a cop out. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I mean, we, you know, I'm at the taping of this. Uh, we literally just moved into a brand new house. I'm about to have a new baby, a fir my first baby in ten days. Oh, and awesome. Yeah, thank you. It's been a, you know, it's been an up and down moment. But you know, not to get too in, embedded in this, but. We've been trying for over four years. It's it's guess what guess what it's taken in order to get us to the point where we're at money, in order to pay yeah. for, you know all the all the processes that my wife has gone through. It took money. What do you think it's you know I'm sitting in this new in this new house and it's nice and all that, but it it took money. It took a certain level of income in order to get to this this nice house. So so I'm absolutely with you. I think I, and I'm with you too about the cop out. I think that. We're all on this earth to do more and to serve more. And in order to do that, I think that a lot of that has to do with making enough money where we're not too stressed that we can't barely do anything in our own lives in order to impact other people. And especially the entrepreneurial community that we're talking to today. Without it, like you said, you won't be in business very long. It's vital. Uh, and by the way, it's not a, a lot of people consider it to be a trade that to have financial success, you have to give up personal life and some version of happiness and all that sort of stuff. And, and for a portion of time, that is true. I believe most entrepreneurs, you know, really do need to suffer more than most of them do. Um, but there is an element of suffering, but and, and that's a short-term trade. Um, but you, you're not trading values and you're not trading character or decency 
for money. That that's kind of like a fantasy. It's not that I know uber successful people who are wonderful husbands and wonderful fathers yeah. and great business owners and overall very happy people. Mm. I mean, I just don't see the trade that so many people apply to the topic of money. So, you know, like you said, a billion dollars over the last several years in total sales, 150 give or take per year. You must have had a you must have had a moment where you you maybe wanted to give up. We call this the fail forwards the fail forward moment in 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 the show here. Can you maybe share with us one one moment? One uh, where you actually, you, you know, you look, I, because I, I think all successful individuals look at failure a little bit differently than most people, Matt. They use failure as feedback and course correction. Um, take us to a moment where you maybe wanted to give up, like one specific moment where you could have went back to the folding table and continued to, you know, bang the phones uh, with, with the one phone you talked about, but you use that one, maybe that one failure as, fee, as fuel for your success fire. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't it wasn't um, one moment. It was an accumulation of, of moments, Scott, where where I, I my financial difficulties began to impact my marriage. And, mm. and I began to lie to my wife about where we were financially In full transparency. Um, you know, one, one day she asked me. Let, let me ask you one question. Did 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 we pay ourselves this week? And I said, no. And she said, well, let me ask you one more question. Did you pay your employees? And I said, yes. And she literally lost her mind hmm. over that. Um, just, just kicking and screaming. And how could you put your employees in front of us? And what she didn't know at that time, which she later knew, was that I had done that for a long, long time. Hmm. And she slammed the door. I slept the night on the couch, couldn't sleep. And I just made a decision. I said, I'm just not going to struggle like this anymore. I'm going to grow a $100 million business. I'm just going to do it. And, um, and I hired, this is the first time in my life I actually had a mentor, and I hired a a well-known guy in our industry. And I said, I need you to help me build out a hundred million dollar plan. Hmm. And he did. And and he built out the plan. It was a three-year strategic plan to get us to a hundred million bucks. And um, I just went hell bent for election and we, we executed on that plan in 18 months. <laughs> and at that time, at that time we were doing about 36 million, which sounds like a, you know, a, a good number, but we're in a low profit margin business. Um, and, uh, and 18 months later we did a hundred million and, and everything changed. That mm. was, I mean, what, what all entrepreneurs need to understand that as soon as you get over your fixed costs, um, you know, with the exception of maybe if you have some salespeople on commission, you, you're, you know, you should be dropping 50 or 60 cents of every dollar right to the bottom line. Mm. So, and we were struggling with that fixed cost and that initial overhead and that standard overhead. And then when we went to a hundred million bucks, so much of that, so much of that revenue was dropping to the bottom line that it, it just began to change everything. And um, that was the watershed moment yeah. for me of, 
you know, boy, it, it's gotten so bad that I that I'm now, you know, constantly lying to my wife. And basically, she called me out on it, and uh, and I came clean. Which, which, by the way, as, as you know, I talk about in the book. I think many entrepreneurs yeah. go through this this struggle of I can't tell my spouse, right. male or female. And so now we have this guilt and this burden and this weight that that leans on us, and and that level of transparency was was very uh, positive uh, for me and very motivating. So I, I hope that yeah storyline connects to your question, but it was a watershed moment for me. Can I really continue to let her down? Um, by the way, just just on a side note, I, I I'd say this to a lot of entrepreneurs that are burn the ships boot camps. Um, in 25 years, and we pay weekly in my office, in 25 years, I've never missed a payroll, hmm. ever, wow. any except mine. Wow. Man, yeah, watershed moment. So what? how did you, how, you know, and this could probably be another one or two pot. How did you go from 36 to 100 plus million? I mean, yeah, you, you worked with the, the mentor. Um, you put together a plan. You had a you had a, a GPS or a blueprint. You're probably very strategic in, you know, it, obviously your your um, your desire was there. It sounds to me like from day one, your desire always been there. Just let me do my thing. I'll make it happen. Mentality. I'll hold up the world because I'm I'm a strong guy. I'm mentally equipped. But 36 million to 100 plus million, that's that's no small feat. So what I mean. There's probably a boatload of things that you could talk about, but what is if you look back on the one thing, was it the plan? Was it your mindset? Was it uh, obviously it wasn't working any harder because I'm sure you were still working harder. What was that that one aha? Yeah, I I don't want to over uh, simplify the answer, um, but I do remember having a conversation with that mentor. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday. Um, I was walking around the parking lot, uh, and I did have some mentors early in my career, but they were lousy mentors. Mm. Yeah, they, they're the kind of guys that would tell you, and I'm sure you've heard this, and many other people on the podcast have heard this as well. You know, you, you got to buy the building that you're in, right? Right. Uh, right. You, you, when 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 you sell the building, you, you'll make more equity on the sale of the building than you will on the sale of the business. That was literally advice from my mentors. So what did I do? I went out and I bought this little crappy building. And for five years, we were we were pinned in there like pigeons, right? But I, hey, I own the building, right? I remember walking around the parking lot of that building and going over the spreadsheet with with uh, the gentleman Jim Renner who, who who built the plan, and and I I was looking at the bottom number and I said, Jim, it is impossible. I there's no way that I can I can make that much money. I mean, it was it was literally just so far beyond my my wildest imagination. And he stopped me cold in my tracks. He said, man, you're looking at the wrong number. He's like, you got to focus on the middle. Can you execute on the middle of this plan? Because the bottom number is just a math problem. Wow. And dude, as soon as he told me that, man, it just clicked. And so it went to pure execution. The structure of the execution was mining our acres of diamonds, owning the client relationships, being totally customer centric, on making sure that every time that customer buys, we, we, we know about it. Just ask yourself this, Scott, in, in the things that you've purchased, let's just say through, through COVID, how many people 
that you have bought something from, especially whether it's your house or baby products or furniture for your house, whatever it is, how many of those salespeople reached out to you to follow up, to check on you, to send you a thank you note, to ask how you're doing? Are you happy with your purchase? Zero. Zero. That applies with, dude, I have bought some really expensive stuff through COVID. Not one hmm. time has the salesperson reached out to me to see how I'm doing. Not once. And so a key component to our, our strategy was being re relentlessly customer centric to make sure that we were squeezing every ounce of business out of the customer base. That was a big part of it. The second part of it was, was a culture revamp. And I've had to go through two culture revamps, but we had to get really dialed in on who we are, what we will tolerate, what we will not tolerate, and the expectations that go with that. So, for example, in our sales force at that time, everybody had to start making more phone calls and everybody had to start tracking it. And we had to utilize the CRM better. And um, and we had to scale, dude. We just had to get bigger. We had to take more market share. And so it was it was a combination of of the middle of the plan, the execution of the roadmap, not the focus of the bottom line. The bottom line is a math problem, and it's the same thing that happens with the audience that is listening today. Too many of us are focused on the bottom line, and we're not focused on the middle. The execution of a crystal clear roadmap that maps to the culture of the organization. Hmm, that's awesome. Matt, we are now entering the randomness round, but before we do, let's take one quick moment to learn something brand new. Hacker Nation, I just released my second book. It hit bestseller status in less than seven days. Needless to say, I'm a little excited, a little bit fired up. This is a step-by-step -step roadmap to help any small business owner hit at least seven figures. And just like an architect needs a set of blueprints to build a house, entrepreneurs and business owners need their blueprint on exactly how to build a successful business. So if you want a copy of this book, it's free. Just download it. Just go to blueprintplaybook.com. So grab your copy today. It's free. It's blueprintplaybook.com. All right, Matt, we are back and ready to enter the randomness round. The randomness round is sort of like putting you on the success hackers version of the hot seat. So whatever's the first answer that comes to mind, just let it rip. So Matt, are you ready for the randomness round? Let's roll, buddy. Best advice you've ever received. Uh, best advice I've ever received was uh, someone once told me that um, you should worry less, Monero, because you know how to make money. What is a daily habit that you do sometime throughout the day that puts you in a great frame of mind? You know, I listen to a tremendous amount of content. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not talking Instagram content. I mean, I'm, I'm a slave to YouTube. I'm constantly searching for things that interest me on YouTube, watching, my, you know, I, I love 15-minute or less clips, because I think you can learn pretty much everything you need to. So I, I'm a freakazoid for um, for feeding my mind. Scott, I'm, I'm, I, I probably take, and I know this might sound crazy to some people, I probably take in at least two hours uh, worth of content every day, whether that's through the Wall Street Journal or, or through YouTube or through listening to podcasts. I mean, I'm, I'm a junk. I love it. You are now on a time machine, Matt. I want you to travel back in time to when you were 25 years old again. What advice would your current self, knowing about life and business, give your 25-year-old self? <laughs> Such a good question. I have to tell you, at 25, I had a self-esteem issue. I didn't feel like I was worthy. Hmm. I, my, my father, when I was growing up, called me stupid and idiot and retard and moron literally every day. I had a self-esteem issue. I, I would have spent more time uh, cleaning my head cheese. Hmm. Dude, I 
didn't think I was worthy of, of tremendous success in the beginning. I knew I'd work for it, but I just didn't, I just, and the deep down peeling that onion back to it, I would have been more confident. What's the number one trait that you have that's contributed to your success? Super easy for me, dude. I have an unbelievable tolerance for pain. Like, like what I will deal with, most people can't even, they, they can't even fathom. I mean, I, I tell my boys, I, as I mentioned, I get three boys. And I tell them the story. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you just in a second. But I, you know, they say, Dad, how was your day at the office? This doesn't happen that much anymore. This is a story I've told them in the past. But I would say, boys, think of going to the most beautiful restaurant you've ever been to, like where the waiters wear white gloves and it's like porcelain plates and stuff. And, and the silver thing covers your food, right? And the waiter comes over and he, he pulls the silver thing off with his white glove and there's a big pile of shit on the plate and you eat it. That's how my day was. <laughs> Dude, I have, a, I have an insane tolerance for pain. I never care when the customer hangs up on me. I never care when the customer says I'm not interested. I just push through it. I don't care when a person quits. I just push through it. What is a hidden talent that you have, Matt, that people may not know about you? That's another great question. I have. To, I, I think I actually believe in you more than I believe in me. I actually want success for you more than I want success for me. And that goes back to the old quote that we will do more to please others than we will do to please ourselves. And I think that's, I think that's a huge talent that I have. I didn't know how to harness that early in my career. I was very belligerent as a boss and as a manager. Um, but, but I think now I can really relay that I actually care more about you doing well than me doing well. What is one book you've mentioned, uh, that you're a voracious reader. What is maybe one book that you've read that's made an impact on your business? Yeah, I, I read a book uh, and I have a number that would hit that list, but I, I read a book uh, written by a friend of mine named Rick Sapio, and it's called Who's in Your Room? And it, 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 it really changed my understanding of who am I surrounding myself with, what values do they have, and then really forced me to reflect on my own value system and make sure that I would be relentless to my own values. It's called Who's in Your Room? You can get it on Amazon. It's a great book. Well, Matt, you are now officially off the randomness round hot seat. This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for your time and sharing these incredible success strategies with our Hacker Nation. I know you have a bunch of stuff going on from your book, plural books, and your other company that we didn't really even talk about, but please, where can our listeners find out more about you or your businesses? I mean, the best place that someone should go is is uh, is to burntheships.com. That's the boot camp that I do with my partner, Judge Graham. Where, where And congratulations on the success of your book. And I, I know why it's successful and will continue because what's missing is the structural roadmap for entrepreneurs to follow. Yeah. And your book is going to deliver that platform. And, and so does our Burn the Ships boot camp. Hmm. We teach it's a day and a half, always in Dallas, very structural, once a month. And uh, so people can go to burn the ships and learn whatever they need to just Google map Monero. But uh, I'm very intent like you are in helping small business owners, medium business owners too, understand that there is a way to structurally build your business. And it's not just through this 
grind and hustle that everybody talks about. There is there is actually a movement from checkers to chess that has to happen in your business for your business to really scale. Hmm. And I, I just don't think enough people teach that. And so I applaud you for teaching it and therefore the success of your book. And that's what we do at Burn the Ships too. And is Burn the Ships, um, is there a, uh, a threshold, a, a certain level to get in first? And secondly, is is it only in Dallas? Or are you doing anything virtually? Or tell me more about that. Yeah, we only do it in Dallas. The okay. uh, last event was actually last week, okay. uh, day and a half. It's a Thursday morning. Uh, finishes we start at 7 30 in the morning it finishes at five we go shoot guns drink bourbon smoke cigars eat texas barbecue on thursday night and then we start up again on friday morning and it ends on friday at noon for people to get back to their families it's four thousand bucks a hundred percent money back guarantee we've had hundreds of people come to the program we've never given a nickel back to anyone no one's even asked for it um but we offer that uh because we know some people might think four thousand is expensive so we say if for any reason you weren't happy with it we'll give you your money back um but it, it's truly, I, I think one of the, it, I don't think one of, I think it's the best business boot camp to structurally scale your business and, and leave with your roadmap. Um, and to answer your question, we really think it's best served for um, companies doing north of a million in revenue. Mm-hmm. It just has to be some struggles that you're starting to face, whether it's technology, cultural, staffing, hiring, sales processes. Yeah, Hacker Nation, make sure to head over to successhackers.net for this episode's show notes with Matt. And uh, and we're going to have everything that he just talked about, not only the show notes, but also where you can reach him and also the boot camp and information. We'll have his uh, his book on there as well. And and, and for someone that's actually read his book and in, in the process of, of finishing it for a second time called You Need More Money, it's, um, it's a game changer. It's not only a mindset shift, but it, 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 you know, takes this podcast that what we're doing today and, and really understands what, you know, what drives Matt and his businesses. And, um, again, it's a game changer. And I think all of us, unfortunately, uh, are, are one incident away, one situation away from either ourselves, our spouse, our boyfriend, or our girlfriend, our family member, one incident away for ha- something that unfortunately happened to his brother-in-law, um, and I'm, and I'm of the belief of what Matt shared, uh, which is you, we do need more money. Um, if you like nice things, if you like to put your kid through school, if you like to buy him, you know, new shoes, do, you know, some new things, et cetera. It doesn't have to always be about the boats and the, the, the condos, high rises. It doesn't have to be the trips to Malaysia and the private jets. It's just about having enough money that God forbid something does happen to a loved one that if you happen to have that kind of money to help out, you're able to do that. Um, whether whether it's family member, whether it's a, a starting a foundation in another country, whatever that is, it all takes money to be able to to do that. So, and remember, if you're looking to uh, if you're looking to uh, get an edge and, and get my my book as well, uh, just go to blueprintplaybook.com and you'll find it for free. This is Scott, hey, Scott Hansen. Yes, sir. You mind if I offer just one last hack for the audience? Hack today? away, hack away. I love that. That's a great term. Yeah. There is there is a financial hack that that so many people don't spend enough time uh, analyzing or understanding or executing on, and it really is in the form of insurance. Mm. Insurance can hedge a person's brokenness very very quickly. For example, if you know if my brother-in-law had a hundred thousand dollar, let's just say it was a term life insurance policy, it probably would have cost him fifty bucks a month. And upon his bad news and his his passing, 
his family would have been left with a hundred grand or 200 grand for 50, 75, maybe a hundred bucks a month. It would have changed everything. Mm. And so literally when someone's feeling down and beat up and saying, man, I just don't have enough money. I, I can't, what if something happened? Guess what? Term life insurance is probably the greatest hedge. Now, by the way, I'm not recommending a term life right. insurance. I have any connection to it. I'm just saying for a hack, a financial hack, Google term life insurance in your city right now, buy as much of it as you possibly can afford. And you just, then you go home to your spouse and say, Hey baby, guess what? If something happens to me, you're getting a million bucks. It's yeah. costing $125 a month. You just hedged your, you just hacked your brokenness. Hmm. All right, buddy, this has been great. Hey, Hacker Nation, um, again, go to go to the website, successhackers.net. Uh, check out Matt's episode. Um, the guy's obviously the real deal, and uh, he knows his shit. Um, and uh, he's someone that, he's also all over YouTube. He's also, he's everywhere. Um, so if you want some, speak, he talks about content. If you want some of his free content, the guy's been on all kinds of podcasts. You can watch him and listen to him in action and, uh, and just pick up some of these golden nuggets that you've received here. And then also some of the stuff that he's got on his YouTube channel as well. So this is Scott Hansen saying thanks again for listening to another episode of Success Hackers. Until the next show, go out and live with passion.